Hey, Salt Lake, at the risk of being too personal, is your mattress sagging? If you are rolling into a taco every night, I am begging you to visit your local mattress warehouse and just try something a little firmer. Your spine is the center of your being, and I don't just want you to have good posture. I want you to Disney princess your way around this city, flush with optimism from a good night's sleep. Visit mattresswarehouseutah.com to find the location nearest you. That's mattresswarehouseutah.com. Here is what Salt Lake's talking about. Our local and state electeds are very, very good at making questionable choices. You've got Utah Senate leadership accepting thousands of dollars from the developer of the Mayflower, our luxury new mega resort. Meanwhile, Sean Reyes' troubling relationship with disgraced Operation Underground Railroad founder Tim Ballard is getting him in some trouble, though a legacy of scandal has plagued our attorneys general. But have we changed our approach to consequences? Because it feels like these days, being embroiled in political scandal might make you more likable. It's Thursday, January 18th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Robert Gerke, columnist for the Salt Lake Tribune. Attorney General Sean Reyes is just the latest in a long line of Utah electeds who've been involved in scandal. Scandal almost seems like too gentle a word. What are the most common kinds of bad behavior that we're seeing from office holders in Utah? Yeah, politics and scandal go hand in hand, don't they? Mm. Um, so I kind of was thinking about this as sort of a, there's a dichotomy. There's those scandals of moral turpitude, right? Like the, you know, if they get caught drunk driving or soliciting sex workers or things like that, those things can be pretty lethal immediately, right? They, that'll kill a political career in no time. But then there's mm. a, sort of the more arcane kind of financial scandal, whether it's like, influence peddling or campaign finance violations or even say, you know, Mike Lee conspiring to try to overturn the 2020 election, right? His involvement in that could be considered a scandal. Those are a little bit more complicated. They're a little bit more nuanced. And I think that, you know, those are the ones that tend to have, you know, you're not sure how they're going to go when they break, you know, is it going to be the end of this person's political career? Is it going to be a speed bump? You don't, you don't really know until it gets to the end. Hmm. It's, so funny to hear you say that because I'm like, personally, I would rather have my representative be paying for sex than trying to overthrow our democracy. But <laughs> maybe that's just me. <laughs> you'd be you'd be just fine with the moral turpitude scandals. But yeah, I'll take it. I'll take affairs all day over like embezzling public funds. <laughs> Well, and I think part of that is we live in a very conservative climate. And so a lot of that stuff, I mean, even a few years ago when the Senate majority leader got busted for driving under the influence, I mean, that was pretty much the end for him. He hasn't been back in on the political landscape since. And so, you know, again, is a DUI bad? Yes. I mean, but is it the end of a political career necessarily in other states? Not necessarily. I, we've seen people recover from that in the past. And uh, so, yeah, I think we live in a sort of a special scandal climate here. So it seems like we as Utahns can be very judgmental of someone's, you know, moral choices. You brought up drunk driving, of course, former mm-hmm. council member Amy Fowler was basically resigning from office like it felt like a week after she received a DUI. But these 
kind of less less tabloid scandals, right? The money stuff, the mm-hmm. the bureaucratic stuff. When was the last time we saw a scandal of that nature have serious implications for someone's political career? Yeah, I mean, I think the John Swallow, Mark Shirtliff scandal about 10 years ago now. Okay, walk me through it because I wasn't here. Oh, boy. Uh, this <laughs> this consumed a good portion of several years of my life. So uh, we'll try to keep it short. Okay. Um, in a nutshell, what they were accused of doing is taking gifts from people in exchange for special treatment. In John Swallow's case, he was accused of taking these vacations, a houseboat, and doing favors for a friend of his to try to get make it so he could process online poker payments. Okay, and John Swallow was the former attorney general of Utah. He was the attorney general. He was, yeah, he was sworn in in 2013. So right after John Swallow was sworn in as attorney general, he replaced Mark Shirtliff. Shirtliff was uh, his mentor and sort of handpicked him to take this office. Uh, right after he was inaugurated, there was this tape that came out of this meeting that he had with one of his donors at Krispy Kreme down in Orem. And they were talking about all of these things about Swallow thought he was under investigation by the FBI at the time. Uh, there was talk about, you know, Jeremy Johnson was telling him to go get a burner phone so the police can't monitor his calls. They would talk about whether they had any records on this houseboat that Swallow had used uh, down on Lake Powell. And so it just started unfolding from there and unraveling. And it led to all these investigations, both by the lieutenant governor's office and the House of Representatives. And ultimately, Swallow resigned. There was some campaign finance irregularity. The House committee did this big investigation, said he put a for sale sign on the door of the attorney general's office. Shirtliff and Swallow were both charged with multiple felonies. Uh, Then in the end, you know, they dropped the case against Shirtliff. Uh, Swallow went to trial and was acquitted. And, you know, they've kind of gone to live their lives. And uh, Swallow actually came back and tried to make a a run for attorney general just this past election, Um, lost in the Republican convention. But, you know, so maybe his career's done, maybe it's not. But that was one that I think brought to a close uh, those two careers. Wow. I mean, it sounds eerily similar to the way things are kind of playing out for current Attorney General Sean Reyes. Like, Mm -hmm. we're not quite at that moment, but it feels like there's echoes. Yeah. And yet I wouldn't say that I feel like the average Utah is necessarily outraged. It is interesting because there are some parallels. It's about the people he associates with, right? Mm -hmm. And in this case, Tim Ballard being the, the... chief among them. And, you know, it's also about fundraising. And so there are these similarities and people are asking, is is this something wrong with the way we elect our attorney general? Is it something wrong with the office or is it just a fluke that we've had three in a row? Is it the people we're getting in the office? So yeah, there are some, there are some parallels. I think you're right. I don't think there's quite the level of outrage, right? It's a little bit less egregious at this point. But the legislature is doing this audit of the office, that, um, which was kind of how the Swallow Shirtlift thing, the investigation started unfolding. So mm-hmm. it has the potential to, to be a problem. Um, Sean has decided not to run for re-election, so that kind of takes some of the heat off of him, I think. Um, and, you know, there is this investigation that oddly his office is doing into these issues. And, and you know, maybe there's something that could come out of that. Yeah, I mean, we really try not to talk about national politics on this show, but you and I would be remiss not to mention that we are having this conversation in the wake of former President Donald Trump handily winning the Iowa caucuses, though he was, as president, twice impeached. 
What kind of checks and balances exist to keep our state office holders in check? That's a really good question because I think the governor and the legislature kind of do an okay job of keeping an eye on each other, particularly the legislature watching the governor. After the Swallow scandal, they did create this executive ethics commission where people can take complaints and they have some investigative authority. But it's sort of been a paper tiger in the past because for a long time, a lot of the members of the commission, the seats were vacant because they just hadn't bothered appointing anybody to it. And so it's kind of, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of teeth there. Hmm. One of the conversations that's emerging from this Sean Reyes turmoil, well, I don't know if it's a full-blown scandal yet, but is, you know, where maybe the legislature needs to have a little bit more direct oversight, have him come in and, you know, present what he's doing, where his budget's going, have a little bit, you know, more legislative eyeballs on the work that the office is doing. Mm -hmm. Because you do see that, frankly, at the federal level. Um, You know, the attorney general always goes to Congress and has to, you know, has to present uh, for the budget or whatever else they're doing. And so maybe there's some there's some place for that. But uh, I think those checks and balances become even more important, though, because we don't really have competitive races in the state. Right. So oftentimes the voters are the check, right? They're the ones who can say, no, we don't like what you're doing. But in this state, those elections are kind of meaningless. And so the, so there really aren't many other checks beyond, say, what the legislature might want to do in terms of oversight. I mean, I have to wonder, like, it does feel like outrage for this kind of behavior is less relevant now than it has been in the past. Do you think that's more because of increased partisanship or increased voter apathy? I think there is some partisanship, people eager to excuse certain behavior. And you referenced Donald Trump, obviously. His followers are extremely loyal and there's not much that he could do that would sway them. But, you know, I also think that maybe people are a little cynical. Um, You know, they expect some level of corruption is just sort of inherent in the system. And it doesn't need to be that way, but I think we've seen it over and over for so long that it's not unnatural for people to kind of become a little jaded and just assume that all of them are crooked, you know? And so mm-hmm. that, and that's unfortunate, I think. It doesn't need to be that way, but it kind of has been that way. Salt Lake City, what if this is the year you host Easter dinner or brunch? Harmon's makes big meals easy to prepare with delicious holiday specialties made from scratch. Just heat and serve, baby. Lay a pre-cooked honey ham on the table and absorb the compliments from your family or friends. They don't need to know you napped instead of staring down the oven. And if you're not the host but need something to bring, here are just a few of my favorite spring ideas. First of all, Harmon's fragrant Easter lilies will impress anybody's mom or delight a neighbor. Now there's no need to even heat up a pre-made side like deviled eggs or fresh cut pineapple, but bonus points if you transfer them into your own dish. And as listeners of this show well know, I will lose my mind if you show up to my house with Harmon's hot cross buns. I invite you to make some new Easter traditions with Harmon's. When faith in the system is so low, I feel like an example for me that comes up a lot is like, 
the fact that we kind of almost congratulate people for not paying their taxes. <laughs> like, it's like <laughs> faith in the, in the institution is so low that it's a chicken or egg situation. When someone abuses the institution, we almost see it as a victory because we're like, well, yeah, the institution <laughs> sucks. Right. He beat the system. Yeah. yeah. It's so disillusioning. It's so disillusioning. Well, especially in Utah, I mean, what we are known for nationally is not necessarily political scandals that we have our fair share. What we're known for nationally is scams. <laughs> and <laughs> the AG's office is generally to investigate scams, right? So, I mean, is there a parallel there in the way that we're kind of a ripe climate for scams that we become a ripe climate for scandal? Well, I, I, I do think that one of the things I've been thinking about a lot since this uh, Reyes issue has arisen is there does seem to be this pressure on an attorney general to raise a lot of money. A lot of times these attorneys general come in and they, they're using the office as a stepping stone to run for governor or run for Senate. You know, that's their loftier ambition. So as soon as they're in office, they start raising hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, Sean Reyes burned through about half a million dollars, a lot of it on travel, you know, sort of elevating his profile. But if you think about the people who are going to give a lot of money to the attorney general, it's not the average voter. It's the people who have business in the attorney general's office or they're under investigation or potentially going to be under investigation. And so over and over and over, we've seen this arise where, you know, Sean Reyes is taking money from a biofuels company that ends up getting charged with uh, with defrauding taxpayers or, you know, he's taking money from these other businesses that end up in the crosshairs of either federal regulators or state regulators. And that, that's a bad look. I mean, it looks like they're, the motivation for them to donate isn't altruistic. It's, it's uh, selling fire insurance is the term that people use. You know, you, you mm. want to be in good graces with the chief law enforcement officer because you don't know when that chief law enforcement officer might be investigating you. So, yeah, it's, mm. it's a bad look. And I think, you know, we also in Utah, partly going back to the, the scam question, we're one of the few states that has almost no restrictions on our campaign finance. We do at the city level, we do at the county level, but at the state level, anybody, any company, any lobbyist can give as much money as they want to any politician in the state. Mm. Um, and so that's something that has constantly for decades been debated, but we've never seen any meaningful regulation. The idea is, well, if they disclose it, then that's fine. You know, then they can explain to voters, but you know, it doesn't always work that way. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that particular to the attorney general Reyes's current, we'll call it situation that the Utah legislature is pursuing an audit are there things that other states have implemented to manage bad behavior on a local level that Utah could look to for an example? One of the things that was discussed in the swallow aftermath other states have done, and there was some renewed talk of it this time, is uh, an inspector general system where oh. instead of having an ethics commission, you have an inspector general who can take complaints and go out and actively investigate them uh, a little bit more clout, a little bit more investigative chops. And so that's something that's being discussed. I mean, other states, I mean, there's some talk about whether the attorney general should be appointed or elected. 43 states have an elected attorney general, so most of them do it that way. But several of them have a governor appointment. Tennessee has an interesting model where the Supreme Court picks the attorney general. Hmm. Um, so it's not 
you don't have law enforcement beholden to the executive branch. So there are some things in that respect, you know, like I said, campaign finance is, is one of the areas that they can potentially look at. But there's also this issue, though, where the attorneys general, I was talking to the former executive director of the National Attorney General's Association, and he said that these positions have become more politicized and they've become more powerful. And so the money that flows into them has gone through the roof. And whenever you have power and money together in a political setting, you have the potential for a scandal there. I mean, the greatest lever that's in place to punish or offer repercussions to elected officials who behave badly is firing them. Like as voters, we can fire them. But you mentioned something earlier in our conversation that I want to dwell on a little bit, which is it's not necessarily that easy in Utah. What do you mean by that? Well, during the Swallow scandal, Governor Herbert said if he had the power, he would have fired him. But because they're separate offices, the governor doesn't have that authority. At the federal level, obviously, if President Biden or President Trump don't like their attorney general, they can fire them. Uh, And so it doesn't work that way here. And that's one of the reasons the people are giving for exploring this uh, gubernatorial appointment of the attorney general. Hmm. But also, you know, it's up to voters to fire somebody. And because it's so heavily Republican in this state, um, you know, unless it's a really serious scandal or something that sort of shocks the Republican voter base, then that electoral check just isn't effective. And, and it's not just the attorney general position. It's up and down the ballot. You can get away with a lot more if you don't have to worry about voters throwing you out, you know, when you when you come back up for reelection. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is gerrymandering gets in the way of our ability to fire bad actors. Well, less so, less so, obviously, attorney general. It's a statewide office, so it's not a district. It's not subject to the gerrymander. The districts aren't drawn that way. But, you know, I think when you look at other races, the more competitive races we have, the better behavior these politicians have to be on. So as as long as these races are competitive, they've got to watch watch themselves. If they are uh, blowouts, as they typically are in this state, then there's a lot less electoral accountability. I mean, something we've touched on is the idea that we almost want to reward outlaws for being renegade because we as a public are so dismayed by our political system. Where do we go from here? Like, how do we restore public trust? I don't even care about it nationally. I've given up. Like, locally, I'm worried (laughs) about eroding public trust. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good question, Ellie. Um, You know, I think we have gone through these phases where we see scandals come and go. And I'm thinking like, you know, back to in the 70s, there was a congressman who was busted out by where the Sears used to be soliciting a sex worker, right? You know, we've had these, we've had them over and over and over. But the system so far has been able to survive because I think there are probably, well, there are definitely more people trying to do the right thing than there are trying to skate by and do the wrong thing. Um, I think, you know, and and so that's why, in a way, it's unfortunate when people abuse their office. They abuse the public trust because that trust is hard to restore. I think part of it comes down to people being more accountable, being more transparent, being willing to communicate, you know, their values. And I think this is something that Governor Cox is trying to initiate 
is a discussion about why people do serve in office. Because, you know, if the perception is that you're just serving in office to line your pockets, get to that next office with more power and more money, then, yeah, there's a reason for people to be jaded. But I think, you know, those people are the exception. And so it's up to those people who are doing it for the right reasons to be more engaged and more uh, accountable to their to their voters and their constituents. Yeah. Though you and I both know people that have served in office for the right reasons and we're still incredibly jaded by the experience. Like there's also <laughs> something punishing about being an elected, not to excuse bad behavior, but it is a hard job. Yeah, everybody goes in there thinking they're going to change the world. Then they run into this brick wall that is the system. And it's it, you can get pretty frustrated pretty quickly and you see people who maybe aren't doing things the right way or the way that you would approve and, and you know, that, yeah, they can probably when you're that close to the political system and that close to the process, it's probably easier to be jaded than it is if you just kind of see things from 30,000 feet. Yeah. Well, I like your notion that there are more people trying to do the right thing than there are people trying to take advantage of the system. That's Maybe that feels I'm like naive. a heartening place to land. <laughs> Maybe I'm nah, it's a new year. New year, yes. new us, new politic. <laughs> yep, yep. Salt Lake Tribune columnist Robert Gerke, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Allie. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Stay out of trouble. Bye.